Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. My favorite time of year, once again, the twice a year episode where we get to come on this show and talk about my least favorite matchup of the year when the Avalanche play the Washington Capitals. This time, the Avalanche sweep the season series with Washington the opposite the way it was last year with a three to two win over the Caps in Colorado in what was a pretty fun, entertaining game. The Avs win six in a row and are all of a sudden back in the top three in the Central. Yeah, it was like that game was weird because there were moments where I thought the Avs dominated and then there were moments where they were getting their ass kicked, which was seemed like a majority of the third period. (laughs) Yeah, the Caps definitely later in that game took over quite a bit, but the Avs took a lot of the opportunities that the Caps gave them. Alex Georgiev stands strong, one of his best performances of the season, and they beat Darcy Kemper in his return to Colorado, and they get some really important depth goals in this game as well. I mean, just an entertaining game from start to finish. I mean, there's rarely a time these two teams don't deliver when they meet. Well, except earlier this year where the Avs shut them out for nothing. Yeah, well, I, I, that game. <laughs> you forgot about that game already? No, I remembered it. I just willfully choose to ignore <laughs> it because it was boring. I mean, it was boring for the fact that the Avs just kicked the shit out of the caps, but this was a much more competitive game. Um, I, I, like you said, the Avs' depth was really what keyed them in for this victory. It, it wasn't the superstars, because I actually thought the Caps did a really good job on Nathan McKinnon all night. Yeah, I mean, we can just talk about it right away. Even the the play that McKinnon was most involved in, that first Lekkanen goal, Orlov drove a hit right into his chest, but McKinnon still makes the play to Lekkanen. Lekkanen finishes to make it one nothing for the Avs. And that play really is just what separates Nathan McKinnon from the pack. Cause there's not a lot of players that can take a hit like that. Orlov lays some big hits. We all remember it's like seven years ago at this point, the, the hip check on Matt Duchesne yeah. all those years ago. I mean, Orlov lays some big crunching hits and he hit McKinnon square in the chest, but McKinnon's just such a freight train that he barely even budged and he still makes that play to Lekkanen. Yeah, he like got banged up on the play and still had the wherewithal to be like, oh, I can just poke check this right to Arturi Lekkanen, who's wide open in the front of the net. Um, but yeah, was was that the game where Orloff hit Duchesne where the Caps won like 7 nothing? Was that the game? There was a couple of times like back when the Caps were winning the President's Trophies. I think that was 2015, I want to say. The first yeah, because I remember that game. I was watching that game, and it was like the Avs have no chance in this game. And then that it was happens that, to be was that the same like, game with the with the disappearing puck where Orlov? I think in the same game, like no one knew where the puck was because it was like in his pants, and then it fell down right in front of him, and he just shot it into the wide open net. Was that the same one? I think so, but I've also kind of blacked out Avs hockey from like 2014 until 2017, so maybe I just missed it. But I mean, I, yeah, I, there I, were definitely I, some times where it was it was uh, holy shit, the Avs have no chance against the Caps, and now the roles have kind of reversed a little bit. I feel like, yeah, I mean, the Caps have a really good record over the Avs in the last couple of years. I mean, this broke a three game winning streak for the Caps in Ball Arena because they they'd won last year and the two years before that, but. 
the Caps just always give the Avs a tough game and vice versa. It's it's a really, really fun matchup when these two play. It gives me a massive headache every single time. Not even just because I hate it. It's because I'm trying to focus on so many things at once. Because you, you know when you watch a game, you watch your team. You watch what they're doing. What do you do when they're both your team and you're trying your brain? I feel like both of my eyes are like ripping out of their sockets, just trying to like follow everyone and what they're doing all at the same time. Like, especially like when we're on a, a penalty kill, I'm also thinking like, well, the Caps power play hasn't been this good, but our penalty kill is getting better. So he, I'm watching all these structures at the same time. I feel like I understand too much, if that makes sense. Well, and your brain just kind of freaks out. So it's like, what the fuck are we doing here, dude? Like, we can't cheer the entire game. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just, I'm this so, is like, I'm like, this, anx- I'm anxiously neutral. Yeah, you're just like waiting there like, Jesus Christ, just get this over with, please. My brain cannot handle this right now. Um, but like that, you've done that to me too, because now, like ever since we've been doing the show, I, I used to like watch the caps in passing, but now that like we're friends and we've been doing the show for two years now, it's like, Oh, I kind of like the caps. Cause we talk about the caps a lot. So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, damn, like I really like Ryan Strom. Sonny Milano is actually like not terrible. And I kind of wish the abs would have gotten him. And you're like, but wait, I- I'm an abs guy. Like I got to go for the abs here. Like when Ovechkin scored, I was like, okay, like that's cool. Um, but kind of fucked in the same way. I wish that would have come with like 30 seconds left in the game. Um, but yeah, it's your brain must have been melting tonight. For me, it melted just like slightly. Yeah, it's I'm getting a little used to it at this point. I mean, this is this is the fourth time I've had to come on this show and do this. And the the all the all-time series on this show is two two now. So we're gonna have to wait until next season before we can see if anyone can break that tie again. But just getting down to the game as a whole, like I said, this was a fun hockey game from from start to finish. The Caps had plenty of chances early. The Avs had a couple of their chances early. Should say that this was Kemper and uh, Obey Cubell's first game back in Colorado since winning the Stanley Cup. Nice little ovation for them. And we talked about the McKinnon goal already. And I feel like this does kind of encapsulate the game as a whole, though. The Caps were trying to be very physical in this game and wear the Avs down. And it kind of worked. But the Avs just have so much talent that they were able to withstand it and still finish. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's weird seeing a team try to, like, they're trying to counteract the Avs speed by just being more physical. I feel like we see teams do that in the past against the Avs, and it usually fails miserably. But with all the injuries the Avs have right now, uh, it kind of wore the Avs down in that third period. Like, you could really tell that the Avs were kind of out of it in that third period, and they look just, they look tired. Yeah. The, the defense without Kale McCarr should mention Kale McCarr again does not play in this game. We'll talk more about that in a minute. When it comes down to your top pairs, Devontae's and Eric Johnson, and after that you're talking it's Sam Gerrard and the, the band of merry men beneath them. You're playing 7D who didn't play bad, but you don't have a pair that you can turn to, and eventually guys are going to start to get exhausted because I think one of the things that makes this such a interesting matchup sometimes is that the Caps are very good at keeping the puck in the zone at times, and the Avs are not always the best at clearing it. Then you see in the third period, the Avs start to get really tired. Right. It was it was weird because like it was kind of a perfect storm because the Avs are so bad at clearing the puck, and the Caps are really good at keeping it in that it, it really reared its ugly head in that third period. Um, but the Avs have built a big enough lead that they were able to kind of just um, weather the storm in a sense uh, because – 
the thing with the D, and like you said, they haven't been bad, but none of them really get chemistry at playing with one another because they're always seem to be mixing pairs. Like it's just a, a mismatch of who's going to play with who. And there's some guys where you're like, oh, Devon Taves and Sam Gerard have that chemistry. Oh, Gerard and Eric Johnson have the chemistry, but you don't have just that solid pair that you can go to, um, especially in that crucial time that you need like a solid lockdown D pair. And that was evident in that third period. Yeah, I mean, four of your seven defensemen are like they're playing above their heads at the moment. Brad Hunt, Jacob McDonald, Curtis McDermott, Andreas Anglin. Like those are just not guys that are built to be relied on in those tough moments. I mean, Curtis McDermott almost had a goal in this game, picked up a big talk assist, about it. Picked up a big assist once again, but putting him on the ice with under three minutes to play in a one goal game. It's just not the role that he is really built to be playing in these games. No. The same goes for Anglin, same goes for Hunt, same goes for McDonald. Again, not to say they're doing bad, but they still should not be in these roles. It's not anyone's fault, obviously, because half of your defense is injured and you're missing your most important players, but that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, it's the reality of the situation. And it seems like we're going to have some good news with some players coming back here, hopefully after the All-Star break. So hopefully this is just one of those things where we got to make it through these next two games and we'll get some reinforcements and some of these guys can go back down into playing their third pair role. And I think they will thrive. Like, I really like what Andreas England has brought to the the decor. I really like what Brad Hunt brings. Um you kind of mix in. I, I think you give the edge to Curtis McDermott over Jacob McDonald right now. Uh, just because what McDermott can do, like fighting wise, that's really the only difference that McDermott does and, to McDonald. You know, the, th the thing is with McDonald is he's supposed to be the offensive contributor, and yet you're seeing Curtis McDermott, right, the one who is picking up the assists on these goals and creating rebounds. That's not right. a very good sign for Jacob McDonald's job security. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But I, I think it's it's really close. Like I think you would probably ice England right now as the 6D man when the D core is healthy. I, I think that seems to make I, the most sense. Well, if, I don't think any of them are going to be getting ice time once the defense is fully healthy because unless you're running 7D out there again, once you get Manson and Byron back, that's all That's all six taken up. Well, because no, you, you got Gerard. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think McDermott will probably stay up just as the, the forward and maybe on that fourth line and plugging him in for four minutes a game. But... It's it's kind of weird to talk about the Avs potentially having like a healthy lineup. Like it's it's kind of weird, isn't it's, it? It's it feels weird because it's still probably not gonna happen. No. We're being honest. I mean, the All Star break seems to be kind of a point in time where things are gonna start to really turn around for this team. And coming into the All Star break on a big win streak is gonna be really important if that's the case. Because from what it sounds like, Byram and Manson are going to be options immediately coming out of the break. That does not guarantee they play February 7th against the Penguins, but it, it puts them close to that timeline. Whether someone comes back first or later doesn't really matter. You still have those guys as options eventually. And I guess we can just talk about it with Kale McCarr. You have two games left before the All-Star break. One of them is against the Ducks. The other one's against the Blues. Both of these games are at home. I personally think you don't even bother. I think you give him these two games off. You give him the all-star break off. We'll see if he even attends the all-star game. And if he doesn't, from the time of the injury to when he would potentially come back on February 7th against the Penguins, that's four weeks. 
I think that would just be really good for him. Yeah, I think it would. And I wouldn't be shocked if he misses the game against the Ducks on Thursday. But just knowing Kale McCarr, I imagine he's going to play against the Blues. I really do. I I think he wants to get one game in before the All-Star break. I mean, the way I think about it is just like, even if he's at 95%, someone, I know he'll want to do it. I think someone's got to hold him back just for the long-term stability of this team. Just reset completely for four weeks, come back completely 100% healthy. And not just that, you're potentially getting your second pair back. And there's only 10 games in the entire month of February. So you're going to be getting him back and he's not going right back to 30 minutes a night. He's going to be getting right back into the pace. He should be, should have been on from the beginning. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we, we kind of saw what that did to McKinnon, like that month that he misses is going to pay dividends as the season goes on, because that's a month of rest. Uh, you can kind of treat it the same way as McCarr, but it sounds like he probably could have played tonight if they really needed him to play. Um, you know, I was and... surprised he didn't because of how close he seemed against Seattle. But now, right. that at, now that we're at this point, it's just if this if the All Star break was not next week when he's healthy, play him. But now that it is right there, I feel like just and you're not playing great teams. You're playing the Ducks, who are tanking, who are not good, and the Blues, who are the Blues, and are always going to be a tough matchup for us. But they're not as good right now. Right, they aren't as good as they usually are. Um, but I, I just. I don't know if they'll keep him out that long. I really think he's probably going to play against the Blues on Saturday. That just seems like a situation where he's going to play. Um, but we'll wait and see. I mean, we're, we're getting by without him, but you can definitely see the cracks start to show on a team that's as like as good on the forecheck as the Caps are and as devoted as they are to forechecking. You, you kind of see not being able to have that puck-moving defenseman like Gail McCarr. You see the ramifications of it. Yeah, I mean, that third period, the Caps were running circles around them in the offensive yeah. zone, especially without Kale McCarr in the lineup. But even just getting back to the game for a second, we can talk more about McCarr and what to do with that whole situation later. The first period was pretty fun. First period, very even. Obviously, you had the, the Lekkonen goal set up by McKinnon to separate them a little bit. But I still felt like the Caps had the better of play in the first period. I thought they did too. Uh, I, I wouldn't say like the uh, the Caps had like better like zone possession, but I didn't feel like they were super dangerous outside that Connor Sherry one where he hit the post. Uh, bless up. Thank you, hockey gods, for giving us that one. Um, I, I thought this was probably one of the more even periods uh, between the two, but I would lean more towards the Caps. Uh, the Avs just took advantage of their chances, and it seemed like the Caps were kind of in the position the Avs were couple weeks ago where it was like damn they're playing well but they just cannot buy a goal right now yeah there was a bunch of those in the first period for the caps i mean this is going to be the theme for the whole game georgiev is the reason the abs won this game in in regulation and got two points out of this he finishes the night with a 949 save percentage and massive saves in the first second especially in the third period late in that game because the caps still had two power plays in the first period here and none for the rest of the game and none for the entire game for the avalanche. Very strange. And the first part of that second penalty kill for the Avs, Georgiev needed to come up big a couple of times. Yeah, and he did. He was fantastic all night. And it was 
like with with Georgiev, I think we just know that he's going to give you those big saves when you need him most. Um, I don't always like just being like, all right, Georgiev, go make this play for us all the time. But it's, it's nice knowing that we have a goalie who can do that because that's what Darcy Kemper gave us last year. Like he, you knew he was going to make the big save when he needed it most. And it's good to have just that confidence in a goalie where it's like, oh shit, this is a dangerous scoring chance. You need your goalie to come up big. And he does. He always seems to come up big. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it over the last several weeks. Look at his numbers since Frankie has come back. He's been terrific. In Calgary, he was a 971. In Vancouver, he was a 966. And this game against the Caps, he was, what I say, a 949 in this game? That was his bad game. (laughs) Yeah, that was his technically his worst game of this entire stretch, where he made 37 saves on 39 shots. He's been absolutely terrific. The first time he's given up more than one, you know, bench the friggin' guy because he gave up an OV goal. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you you got to – I don't think he deserves to play again until the the end of the uh, All-Star break. But, yeah, I mean – he. He's fantastic, dude. And I don't think either of us predicted him being this good right away. Um, but he has continually just provided just a perfect backstop. And along with Francois, Frankie has been fantastic too. The Avs goaltending, which was a huge concern coming into the year, has probably been the strongest point for the Avs this year. Yeah. I mean, this is something we talked about in November is the Avs would not be nearly as good without their goaltending right now. And we were wondering, is this team going to have to score at least four goals a night in order to be able to keep up because we just don't know what Georgiev's going to be. And Frankie, you never know with age. You just never know with goaltending what it's going to be. But now you look at this, and now you have Georgiev locked up for three seasons, and you have Frankie for next year as well. And as a one-two punch, neither of them's going to win the Besna. But you could argue this is one of, if not the best one-two punch in the NHL. The Bruins obviously have a very strong case with Olmark, but... Swayman's been fine for the most part. Olmark is definitely the number one there. But in terms of one, two, I really don't see a discernible drop off in either time that either one plays. No, I mean, Frankie is the the thing is, is, you know, Frankie's the two, which is fine. That's a that's an okay thing to have your one and your two. But Georgiev is clear cut the one and it's he'll never win the Vesna just because the Avs are the Avs and they won't give credit to him for how good he's been. I, I mean, Olmark is having it. Oh yeah. Olmark's running season. away with this right now, yeah. but it's, it's just how good Georgiev has been. It's going to be, we're going to look back at the end of the year and be like, Georgiev finished for like a nine thirty, and he wasn't even like on ballots for the Vesna. <laughs> and we're, we're going to chuckle about it. Cause that's just where he's at right now. Um, so I, I agree with you. I don't know if there's a better one-two punch in the league right now where both are just either one you throw out there, you know you can win a game. Um, but it's 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 a credit to once again Josak and Chris McFarland. They they identified the talent in Georgiev and they were like, we can get this guy because what we end up trading for him, a second round pick. Yeah, it was like uh I don't have the exact picks, but it was like a second, third, and a fourth, I want to say. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. Spread throughout a bunch of years. I can very quickly pull that up. It was a third, a fifth, and a third. So the third and fifth in 2022, this year's draft, and a third in next year's draft. Or I'm sorry, last draft. So 2022, third and fifth, and 2023, third, so this year's draft. Yeah, it's a pretty good trade if you ask me. Yeah, (laughs) They they just keep winning, man. So um, if, if you look back, like, this was really the first game in a long time. You're like, if Georgiev doesn't play on his head or like during this win streak, at least where you're like, 
if Georgia didn't play as well as he played, they probably would have lost this game. Um, Calgary. So Calgary, I mean, he was good, but I thought the Avs kind of controlled that game. Yeah. Like I, that, that game was, um, I, I thought they looked better than they did against this Caps tonight. Yeah, I mean, Calgary, I think 4-1 is definitely a credit to how well Georgiev played in that game. I mean, the Avs, they got out to that 3-0 start, but that game right. was a lot dicier if Georgiev wasn't dialed in. This game, though, for sure, if Georgiev wasn't dialed in, we could be coming on here talking about like a 4-5-3 loss. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, we could have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a master class from Alexander Georgiev. Uh, he got some help from the post. Um, and then, like you mentioned in the second period, uh, I almost shit myself because I thought I missed the Curtis McDermott goal because I'm still in Cali. Um, I almost shit myself because I was like, God damn it, I missed my one of two chances for Curtis McDermott to score a goal. Um, if you were following me on Twitter, you would have seen that there was a little bit of a freak out, but then it was quickly dissolved because Cogliano just had to put his hand in the way and deflected in. So um, crisis averted. But honestly, like Curtis McDermott in these past couple games, he hasn't been terrible. He's actually been serviceable, in my opinion. Serviceable is the absolute correct word for it. He has been an NHL caliber defenseman over these last couple of games when we've really needed him to because we've seen Curtis McDermott. It's not always pretty sometimes when he's playing defense, but in these last couple of games, he's been fine for the most part he sets up Cogliano again if he had a nickel for every time a Cogliano goal was directly set up by a Curtis McDermott shot you'd have two nickels which isn't a lot but it's weird that's happened twice so far in the last two weeks and so all of a sudden two nothing abs big depth goal Logan O'Connor picks up the secondary assist on there didn't last for too long though this was where this wasn't mainly Curtis McDermott's fault but it's also just weird to see 5-9 Connor Sheary evading 6-5 Curtis McDermott in front of the net and getting the tip in past Georgiev. Kind of uh should be able to really pick him up and gently put him back <laughs> right. on his own bench. You, sh- you should be able to, but uh didn't happen. It didn't happen. So we uh but that's what it took to beat both goaltenders tonight because Darcy Kemper was fantastic in this game as well. Um and I agree with you. I mean, Curtis, you should not be losing those types of battles. You just shouldn't. You shouldn't be getting outworked by Connor Sherry, who was really good tonight for the Caps. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it trickles by. It's 2-1. And I don't know, like, it was weird because the Avs were up 2-0. And I was like, oh, this is, we could kind of coast to a win here. It seems like everything's going pretty smooth. And then you get that goal and you go, all right, we got to buckle the fuck in. Yeah, I was like, we we got a game here now. Now that the Caps have gotten one through, this is going to be a pretty tense game the rest of the way. And it kind of was the rest of the way. The Avs definitely had the edge the rest of the second period. But one of the biggest goals of Alex Newhook's season so far, just a McKinnon-esque head of steam past Dmitry Orlov, who clearly did not know Newhook could go that fast. And he burns past Nick Jensen as well, goes far side on Darcy Kemper to give the Avs a 3-1 to one lead pretty late in the second period, which holds up as a very big game-winning goal. Yeah, it does. And, uh, I mean, Alex Newhook, is he's on a tear right now. He really is on a tear right now. He's been great. If you take away, I mean, in that Chicago where he had the goal disallowed, that's four goals in his past six games. So Alex Newhook's really getting going. Uh, that's what you need from him. And it's very weird that he's finally starting to click with guys on his line, uh, Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano. But that's been the line he's had his most success with. 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I've written in my notes here is third line is starting to cook. Logan O'Connor still hasn't gotten back on the goal scoring sheet, but he picked up two assists in this game. This was one of his best games of the season as well. Cogliano was able to, to stay out of the box for the most part. And Newhook, he's finding his speed. He's finding his confidence. And why I tweet after this goal is like, we have to remember that Alex Newhook is 21. Last year right. was his rookie season. It doesn't feel like that for some reason. It feels like Newhook has been around for a while. He hasn't. This is his second season. He's slowly finding his confidence and he's going to make mistakes. He's not a A-tier prospect that's going to come in here and be the, the elite superstar of the future. He's going to make a lot of mistakes. And he has made a lot of mistakes this season. There have been times I've come on here and criticized Alex Newhook for the things he's done and being quiet and inconsistent, you know, I'm not free of blame here, and neither are you, neither is anybody. We've all given him a lot of crap. He's 21 years old, and he's got 11 goals right now on the season. He is the second-line center of the future, but we have to be able to let him make these mistakes. And, or not these mistakes, because he doesn't make any mistakes in this game. He was great, but over the last couple of months, he's made mistakes. And now he's getting on a tear again, and you can see the talent coming through. You can see that there is something here in the future that you want to hold on to and you want to nurture it and let it grow because you give this kid two years. He is absolutely going to be your second line center of the future. You don't have to trade any assets. You don't have to sign anyone in free agency. You got him in the system already. You just have to be willing to let him make those mistakes in December and let him blossom and show his talent right now. Cause he's going to dip again before the end of the season. He's not going to sustain this for the rest of the year. He's not. So you got to be willing to grow with him because this is what you're going to get out of him sometimes. Well, and even Bednar was saying after the game that this is the most consistent you've seen Alex Newhook during this win streak. And it shows like you, you watch him play and you're like, this is the Alex Newhook we've been wanting. And if he can continue, I don't, like you said, expect him to continue this pace of play where he's scoring like this. But if he can continue to just be dangerous with that third line, he adds that element to the third line that they were missing. Because before, when it was Darren Hellman there, that was just a gritty line. They, they they would just be gritty. They had really zero offensive flow. But with Newhook being on that line, it really elevates that line offensively because his offensive talent going against third-pair Ds, it, he's going to shine eventually. And we've really seen him blossom in these past couple of games. Um, and it is funny to think he's only 21 because he came in in the uh, COVID year with uh that series against the the blues so you kind of forget how young he is um but he was terrific in this game he's been terrific uh these past seven or eight games and i he's he's gonna get to 20 goals which it, 20 goal scorers in this league it seems like such a low number it's still a very hard that's, thing to accomplish that's in this league. hard to do that's hard to do especially like Newhook still does not play a lot of minutes. Like he, he played more than he usually does in this game against the Caps. He still only played 15 minutes in this game. Yeah. I'm sure if you filtered out like points per minute, goals per minute on this team, Newhook is probably top three on this team if you really start to break down those numbers. And it's like you were saying, this is finally the depth option threat that the Avs have been missing all season. It's been the top guy's score. It's been occasionally JT Comfort chipping in as well. And at once every five games, you get a goal from a guy outside of the top six. These last several games, Cogliano's has been chipping. In. He's got eight goals on the season already. I would have been satisfied. Nine. I think he has nine now. Is it nine now or is it still eight? It's eight. It's I eight think right it's now. not. 
It's eight right oh, now. Oh, it's eight. But if if that if this was game eighty two and he just picked up his eighth, I'd be happy with that. You're right. probably looking at between like maybe twelve goals by the end of the season for him, twelve to fifteen goals by the end of the season for Cogliano. Newhook could be on pace for twenty. Logan O'Connor still hasn't broken out of that slump, but he's close. He's he's getting there. He's had his chances over the last couple of games. It's only a matter of time before he breaks through. My point being, it's threatening when they're on the ice. They're a threat to score. That has not been the case all season with lines below the second line for the caps. And that's been, or for the abs, my brain, see my brain, my brain's still in the egg beaters right now. See for the abs, at least. And a lot of that's been because of injuries, but now this team is relatively healthy. And now they're starting to get those depth options coming through. You still don't have a fourth line, which is a problem because you're icing nine skaters. Basically you're playing bleed and you're playing Myers a combined 11 minutes, five minutes for bleed, six minutes for, Myers, who played well. That's a lot for them. That's a lot for them. (laughs) It is a lot for them, but still, you're basically not playing your fourth line for the most part. You're basically only down to three lines at this point. So to have that third line, at very least when they're on the ice, the other team has to care is a big difference. Yeah, and it lets those top guys, If like, let's be real. I mean, Branson, we haven't even said his name. He was a non-factor in this game. He didn't do a whole lot of anything. Big Val... Uh, provide some good defensive options, but he wasn't much of a threat offensively. And we talked about McKinnon and Lekin and they had their one chance, but overall, like the, the abs depth and goaltending won them this game, which is something we have not said much of this year at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how rare is it that you see Nathan McKinnon finish a game with one shot on goal? Not very often. Yeah. And Miko Ranton minus two, two shots on goal. Evan Rodriguez usually is putting up a ton of shots on goal. He had one found that Chushkin only had one. I mean, this was the case where stuff we might, we haven't seen with the abs lately, where it's the depth guys come through with some timely goals and they're able to hang on late and goaltending steals the show. Yeah, absolutely steals the show. Uh, It's very reminiscent of what this team was last year with depth. Like I was watching, I've been spending a lot more time on my phone than I usually do. And like all these, uh, like the games of, uh, like the playoffs from last year's run. And I just sit back and look and there was, I was watching the game three recap and our third line was JT Comfer, Andre Burakovsky and uh, Knack, I think at that point. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, that was our third line right now. That'd be competing for our second line with uh, how banged up we are. Uh, because like, what, what can you believe that, that we had Andre Burakovsky, who's the leading scorer on a playoff team right now? was getting scratched in playoff games like yeah. that's how loaded the abs were yeah that was a that was definitely a thing in the blue series burakovsky in game three was a healthy scratch because of course he was right yeah and now he's just flourishing in seattle it's just hilarious how deep this team was um but it, it was good I, I i really really uh think that new hook on that third line i didn't think they would gel but they've gelled really goddamn well. And then you add in potentially Dennis Morgan back to that fourth line. It at least gives you a fourth line, right. at least gives you a fourth line. You have a lineup to put out there. That is at least right. 12 skaters. And I think Morgan's going to be a bigger addition than we're expecting. We haven't seen a ton of him as an av. He had an unfortunate injury, but when he was playing, he was dangerous. He has zero finish, but you give him an opportunity. He at least has to make the other team think about it. And that's right. what they need right now. Yeah, they, they need someone. And like you said, I thought Ben Myers actually was pretty solid. He had another couple of good scoring chances. Um, and he's done enough for me that I think he's going to stay up with the team. 
in my opinion. Um, but you just need to get him. Like, I didn't even think Anton Bleed was that bad tonight either, but they, he played five minutes. Like, it's you can't really expect because I, I can't remember the last time the Avs had four lines. Like, how much was the fourth line playing when they were healthy? I mean, I mean eight it was, minutes max. Curtis McDermott and Jacob McDonald playing three minutes centered by Alex Newhook most nights. Like, it wasn't anything. You still didn't have a fourth line. Yeah, you still didn't. So hopefully you add just you add just a little bit and this team can really not play Nathan McKinnon 26 minutes a night. Um, he only played and, 18. He only played on just under 19 in this game. Wow. That's crazy. No forward played over 20 minutes. Lekkanen played 2012, but other than that, no forward played over 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where you want him to be at in a regular season game. Like, that, that's just where you need it. So you just need to get the team back, um, ice up fourth line, and, and you'll be looking pretty good because I think the depth is starting to get some confidence. And the more those guys play together, the better they're going to be together. Like they just need some continuity, man. Like these lines have been so jumbled for so long that at least during the six games win streak, I feel like the lines have stayed pretty similar the entire stretch. Like they're finally getting some continuity and get building some chemistry with each other. Yeah, and that's been incredibly important for them as well to just finally find some chemistry together. And once you get Morgan back, that at least, like you said, gives you the opportunity to ice 12 forwards at a time. Right. And then eventually when you get Gabe Landeskog back, you're bumping one of those top six guys back down into your bottom six. And after the trade deadline, you're either adding someone directly to your bottom six or you're bumping someone down after you add someone to your top six. Like the depth's only going to get better and so the fact that you're already giving these guys confidence and giving them some chemistry together, it's only going to pay dividends down the stretch. Right. Like, I remember, I think it was you talking about this a couple of weeks ago, that like these injuries, like they suck right now, but they could be a huge benefit when everyone gets healthy. I've because that for years, that's always been my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it really could pay dividends here. And now that we're winning, it's, uh, it's a little bit easier to stomach. Injuries uh, are just... easy to deal with when you win. Right. It, it like, Notice how no one's really been complaining about injuries since we've started winning. Um, but when you look at this in the big picture near the end of the year, when hopefully Landy's back, you get Byron Manson, Morgan back here, look back and be like, wow, this team really like they know how to play now and they know how to win in different styles because it's going to be terrifying to the NHL when this team gets healthy and we start scoring four goals a game again. Um, but they're finding ways to win right now with, um, just missing pieces. So yeah. it this it's crazy. All, yeah, this is all very, very bad news for the Western Conference that the Avs have even gotten a little bit healthy and are just going on a bender right now and are already back into the top three of the Central. Horrible news because everyone's been talking about how the West is so open. If the Avs are weak this season, who's going to come out of it? The Avs playing like this are the favorites again because they're down because of the way they've been losing over the last month. They're already back in it. They're already back ahead of Minnesota. They're still a ways away behind the Jets and the Stars at the moment, but they still got those games in hand to work with right now. And Vegas does not look that impressive. Seattle, like, I love Seattle, but they are a, they are a house of cards right now. Yeah, if they're ticking time off. Yeah, if that shooting percentage goes down, they are going to crumble. The Kings are still a negative goal differential team. And... When it comes to Dallas, Dallas has been very consistent. I'll give them that. They have not had that big losing streak that just pushes them out. Winnipeg, when they're healthy, has been consistent as well. 
So I feel like that top three in the central is the favorites at the moment, but it's hard to deny the defending champs. Oh, especially when they get everyone back healthy. It's not even going to be close. Um, So I really like, I want to take a deep breath, but like you said, like Dallas has been so healthy. I feel like all year, like have they had a big injury? I think Hintz has missed a couple games and like Ottinger missed some games to start the year. Yeah, Ottinger missed a few in November. I mean, who does this sound like? It sounds like Calgary. It sounds like Minnesota right. from last season. And then when things start to happen in the playoffs, things are rough. And like, I like the way Dallas plays. They're an interesting threat. But in the playoffs, if Jason Robertson starts to go cold and that top line gets shut down, they don't have a lot after that. They're a no. good team. Do not get me wrong. They're a good team, and I respect them completely. And Ottinger in the playoffs. Still a series. He almost did last season right. when they were horrifically outmatched by Calgary in that game seven, but outshot by like 50. He still almost stole that entire series for them. But they look to me like a Calgary of last year where they they have a really good top line, not a lot after that. And goaltending that I think I, I rely on Ottinger more than I would rely on Markstrom. So maybe this point isn't as smart as I thought it would be, but they <laughs> They do kind of remind me of Calgary from last season. They do, but you got to remember Markstrom last year was the top three Desna finalist. Well, that's, that's, so, exactly, that's exactly my point. Yeah. Markstrom was playing as well as Ottinger is right now. My point being that I trust Ottinger more than Markstrom because now you're seeing that Markstrom was an anomaly last year. Yeah. I trust Ottinger more in the playoffs to keep that up, but I'm not sure if I fully trust that team in front of him. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. If you're not a new customer, you can still feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. While we're on the topic of the Stars, I wanted to bring this up. There was a thing that Cat Friendly tweeted the other day about the Stars 2017 draft, where they picked uh, (laughs) Miro Heiskinen, Jason Robertson, and Jake Ottinger in that same draft. Great draft, but Stars fans take it very personally when you bring up the fact that they could have drafted Kale McCarr over Miro Heiskinen. And they very much like to bring up just just how happy they are with Miro Heiskinen. We're just so happy with him. We did not make the wrong pick. Please stop saying we made the wrong pick. Little weird. I just felt I noticed that the other day. I did not know that was a thing. I thought that was like pretty well accepted at this point that they Yeah, no, I mean I feel like most better. Yeah, most Stars fans like they like they kind of lucked out because Heiskinen's probably what the second best player in that draft so far. Yeah, I mean, they've picked a no, lot. I mean, defenseman-wise. Yeah. Defenseman I mean, they picked a lot of potentially second-best players in that draft. Point <laughs> yeah. being that Kale McCarr is in his own tier, and then it's like Elias Pettersson, Miro Heiskanen, Jason Robertson. 
So, I mean, Miro Heiskinen's great. I love Miro Heiskinen. He was my my sneaky pick for the Norris this year, or at least to be nominated for such. But that's the thing. He's, he's not, and he never has been in that conversation. And we're talking about Kale won a triple crown last year of yeah. Norris, Stanley Cup, Con Smythe. Yeah, but I mean, the Heiskinen is a better pick for the stars. This was something I saw. And also, I'm like, I'm giving attention to comments from stars fans i got like one like so this is not how stars fans think but i did want to bring it up because of how funny it was my favorite comment possibly of all time is how miro is going to be producing still once kale's contract becomes a burden (laughs) now that is one of my favorite takes of all time again not putting stars fans in a box but that is a real comment that was made by a person isn't isn't heiskanen like making similar money to what mccarr's making yeah, and Makar is <laughs> on the best contract in the NHL. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, Miro Heiskin, yeah, you're not talking about Scrub. He's a top 10 defenseman in this league, but Kale Makar is, is Kale McCarr clear is top number one. the best defenseman since Nick Lidstrom. Yeah, and potentially, like, a, he's a top five player in the world. So, right. like, it's, it's, it, it's funny. But I'm, I'm um, glad they saved $500,000 against the cap. Yeah, and they saved that, but I mean, they they did nail it with Ottinger and Robertson. So I mean, you gotta give them credit. Like that that pick doesn't look as bad because they hit on those two. Yeah, um, I just I was just not aware of the fact that there was this like deep seated defense mechanism in Dallas that like no, we didn't make the wrong pick. Heiskinen was the right pick at third overall. I mean, if you say so, I'm not complaining. Yeah. It's and, the complete opposite of what Philly did when they were like, we wanted to draft Kale McCarr, but fucking Ron Hextall wanted Nolan Patrick. Yeah, like, well, Nolan Patrick's a little tough to to stomach, if considering yeah. he's not even there anymore. Yeah, well, and I mean, what, he sure went one that draft, right? Yeah, he sure won Patrick two, Heiskanen three, McCarr four, Pedersen five. Yeah, I mean, he sure's solid. I mean, it, and that's the thing. It's just none of them are Kale McCarr. Right. <laughs> no one is. It's just, yeah, it, it's it's funny. Um and I, I honestly, for the Avs' sake, I, I think it'd be fun to match up against Dallas in a playoff series. I think these two teams match up pretty well. I think um, we could. Yeah, it, it, it'll be, it would be a fun matchup between those two because you have Ottinger, who's proven that he can be a good playoff goalie, and you have Georgiev, who's never done it before. But the Avs' talent, they're more talented in pretty much every position yep. outside of goaltender. I mean, outside of this season, I mean, I'm kind of surprised about the way we've handled Dallas so far this season because they usually give us a ton of trouble because obviously you go back to the bubble, not the same Avs team, not the same Stars team, but obviously that is still a thing that happened and would be nice to to wash out of our mouths. And last season, I mean, we only played the Stars three times. They were a team that gave us trouble in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, we were 1-1-1 one, one, and one against them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I don't even think we went to overtime. I think we just straight up went one and two against them. We had that good yeah. road game, and then they they beat us up on our home ice in those uh, in that home and home. This That's season, right. They yeah, did. This season's been a different story because the Abs they played them both times in November and played really well against them. But historically, the Stars are a tough matchup for us. Yeah. I would I would be very interested to see how another seven game playoff series between them would go. Yeah. I fully believe the Avs would win, but I think that would probably end up being their toughest matchup in the West. I'd agree. But I mean, we still got time to decide, but I, I think the Avs are in full, like the way they're playing right now should freak out the rest of the central because they thought, Oh, we have this nice cushion lead. And all of a sudden you look, the Avs have three games in hand. If those three games go the Avs way, they're three points back of the stars. And you're like, well, fuck like yeah. our chance was having home ice against them. And now it's like, Ah, oh, shit, the abs are coming, which is great. 
Yeah, I mean, the Avs, they're not out of contention to win the entire West. As crazy yeah. as that would have sounded two weeks ago. And it, it it is an uphill battle. Let's make that very clear. It is an uphill battle. But the Pacific is struggling right now. I don't think Vegas is going to be winning that uh, that West anytime What's soon. What's going on with the whole Jack Eichel thing? Like, I've been out of touch with the NHL. Like, Bruce Cassidy, like, hates Jack Eichel. Is, is that something I've, I'm I've seeing? I've been loosely following it, but he just, he hasn't been as good recently i mean he's third on the team in points i am just very quickly catching myself up on this as well because i've only recently been aware of this he has 34 points in 36 games chandler stevenson leads the golden knights in points with 43 so i mean that's funny i mean i think it's what Casty said is like eichel just hasn't been the difference maker that he was earlier in the season and ever since he's come back from injury he had a three-point game against pittsburgh where he had goal and two assists since then he has one goal one assist. He just he has not been the difference maker for Vegas that they traded for and and are paying him ten million dollars to be. And what this, about is Mark Stone still hurt? I don't really. I've never seen anything about Mark Stone saying he's healthy or not. So I will try to very quickly find that out. I think he's okay because I I literally have not seen anything saying he's not. Yeah, because I thought I saw something that he was like his back was hurt again, and I was like, Jesus, here we go again. I mean, ba- based on this, I think he's out at okay yes he's week to week right now so stone is out according to cap friendly right now there's a lot to keep up with in the nhl bro, bro. yeah but like we're getting totally off topic here that's simply just what yeah, that's, that's simply what we do if you're a veteran of this show you <laughs> yeah. accustomed to this this is just what we do we get on rolls this was my concern with vegas at the beginning oh of yeah the is they don't have a lot of depth and nope. Once they stop scoring, it's going to be very tough for them to to win hockey games. And right now, they're one point ahead of Los Angeles, and they're two points ahead of Seattle. Seattle has three games in hand on them at the moment. And they're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. Thompson's been fine. Their defense has been fine. Like, they're going to make I, games, but I think Thompson's showing some cracks here as my fantasy team would suggest with them, he's, he's not been what he was to start the year. Um, so it is like, I still agree with you. I think Vegas makes the playoffs, but I don't think they're as big of a threat as we thought they were going to be. I mean, th- Cause like, what can they even do at the trade deadline? Like what can I, they do to add? Like, this is just not the Vegas of two years ago. They haven't been that Vegas ever since they went to the, what even they, the, you can't even call it the Western conference final that year, the third round. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since early last season, they have not been Vegas. And the entire Pacific just does not scare me. They don't. Los Angeles is a I, I I simply don't know what to make of the Kings. They could like if they just make saves, they could be like the dark horse to win the entire thing. But it still hasn't happened. They've given up 170 goals so far this season. And Seattle. I love a good Cinderella story. I want the Kraken to succeed. I would love to play them in the Western Conference Final. That would be so much fun. None of their goalies are above 900. And their shooting percentage is through the roof. Like, they're getting great production from guys like Vince Dunn, who has helped turn around their back end. But that's the thing. That can change at any moment. Any moment, the Kraken could just sink into the dust. And then you got Edmonton. And then you have Calgary. Edmonton's been getting a little hot lately. They're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They're on a six-game win streak. Calgary has just not figured it out. And we haven't even brought up Minnesota yet because they're out of the playoffs. Like, there's just not a lot of teams that I look at and be like, if the Avs are at their best, 
I just don't see these teams winning four games against them. And I, I don't I, either. I know that sounds super cocky, but even still, like I know the Avs are more vulnerable than they were last year. The West stinks. I've said this it all. Does. The West stinks, man. If the you bring over one of the teams from the top of the East right now, whether that's Carolina, New Jersey, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, those teams scare me. None of them are in the West, so they don't matter until round four. Yeah. And hopefully they'll be so beat up by the time they get through the Eastern Conference playoffs. Like, I think if you even put, like, do you think Washington would be, like, a solid team in the West right now? I think they would be a really solid team in the West right now. I mean, they're stuck in that gauntlet of the East, but you stick them in the Pacific, they're laughing to win in that division right now. Same goes for Pittsburgh right now. You stick Buffalo in the Pacific, and (laughs) they're winning that division right now. Buffalo, by the way, three points out of the playoffs, all hail the Sabres train, and... The Pacific is just an absolute mess, but it is fascinating. It's exactly what I thought it would be. And even more oh. even more so than I thought it would be with Seattle thrown into that mix. Yep. Yep. It's exactly what we thought. But I mean, just to circle it back to the abs, like if the abs are playing their best hockey, there's no one in the West that could beat them. There, there just isn't. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm it, not it, going it, to say, yeah, I'm not going to say the abs are like the odds on Stanley cup favorite. Cause what the Bruins are doing right now is absolutely insane. Um, but it's going to be uh, if the abs are healthy and they add what we think they're going to add at the trade deadline, they are a dangerous, dangerous team in the West. And I mean, we saw it last year. They went fucking 16 and four in their playoff run. Like it, it's, it's going to be a, I, I just see it right now. I envision just another, like, would it shock you if it's Colorado Edmonton in the Western conference finals again? I don't think anything would shock me coming out of the Pacific. I mean, Winnipeg, and Dallas are going to be tough outs. You're probably going to have to play both of them if we're being realistic. Yep. Um, unless you go on an absolute tear and win this division, you might end up playing Edmonton in the first round. But if you don't and you finish second or third, you're going to have to go through probably what I would consider to be the biggest threats in the West in Winnipeg and Dallas. Those are going to be tough series. And, I mean, you, we could very well be seeing, like, L.A., in the like there's just no way of telling who's coming out of the Pacific like are are the Kraken the moment the playoff starts just going to crumble into dust or are they going to be the Vegas of 2018 where just everything continues to go absolutely right for them like we have no idea and this team with the abs right now I feel better about them obviously than I did two weeks ago but also because of what happened two weeks ago they got reminded that they're human and they were getting their face shoved into the mud by the Canucks and the Blackhawks, like really got a wake up call that just because you won does not mean teams are going to roll over for you. Just the opposite. Teams are going to show up against you every single night. They got reminded that if you're not playing hard, you are not going to win and you might not even make the playoffs. Now they've tasted that. And now they have rattled off six wins in a row, just like that. And not all of them have been against terrible teams. I think that getting that wake-up call is going to serve this team really well, especially in the playoffs, too. Agreed. It's It, it was a low point of the season, and hopefully we look back on it. And I know they always talk about like the championship DVD when it's going to start. I think it starts there if the Avs go on and win the Stanley yeah. Cup. I mean, it's, so, just, it's going to start in the, the trainer's room. For the- <laughs> yeah, that, that little documentary they just did right now with fucking uh, like Josh Manson being like, the unsung MVP of the 2022-23 Colorado Avalanche, their head trainer, 
Matt something. I can't remember his last name. <laughs> that'll be that'll be the highlight. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to look back on that and be like, that's where this team really turned it around and really got going. And if you look at it, these last two games before the All Star break, we could be talking about an eight game win streak uh, mm-hmm. before before this All Star break. And I pray to the gods it's not a repeat of what it was after the Christmas break. <laughs> but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on in the Caps game? I mean, in the third period, we've kind of hinted at it. The the Caps were skate circles around right. the Caps. And you had Alex Ovechkin score his 31st goal of the season, his 811th career goal. I got what I wanted out of this. Uh, Anthony Mantha was interfering with Devontae's in front of the net. I am. Oh, was he? Yeah. There was very clear point where Anthony Mantha just like had his head down and is just hugging Devontae. <laughs> I was like, how, how did Alex Ovechkin get that wide open? We're smarter than this, surely. There was some shenanigans, perhaps Makes sense. that the refs might have missed. That That's gamesmanship. And yeah. Ovechkin makes it a one goal game with still half of the period left to play. And I was like, oh boy. I mean, here we go. They're pouring it on and they kept the pressure on the rest of the way. They didn't get any power plays. There was no power plays in this game. None for the first period and none for the avalanche. Also first time all season, the caps did not get called for a single penalty. I think we talked about this before we started. There's just this weird thing where like against the Avs, the caps do not get called for penalty. They're angels. Yeah. Trust me. I watched this team. They're not disciplined at all. They go to the (laughs) box a lot. They have no love loss between them and the referees, but against the abs for some reason, they get no calls or nothing called on them. It's really strange, but the rest of the way, the caps were taking advantage of a cap, an abs decor that was very shorthanded at this point, could not get the puck out of the zone. And a lot of times almost tied this game. But Alexander Georgiev was, uh, was there to save the abs. Um, yeah, and we kind of talked about in that third period. I, I thought the Caps were significantly the better team. They honestly probably got robbed in this game of a point. Like they they, they deserved a point in this game, um, but the Avs just kind of held on. And I'm sure Bednar will talk about it uh, in practice because once again they didn't play a full sixty minutes, but they were able to to win this game. It's a lot easier to fix problems when you're winning than when you're losing. So. Um, it was it, it was definitely uh like some butthole clinching time in that third period and <laughs> we survived uh and I don't know about you uh it, it was weird to hear like Mark Mosier and Rycroft talk on the broadcast tonight being like saved by Kemper saved by and not being like oh yeah let's go like it's still like in my brain I'm like oh yeah shit he plays for the Caps now like fuck um. We, we, we got to get uh, we got to get something going here. I don't know. Were you watching the abs or the caps broadcast tonight? Uh, I was blacked out of the abs broadcast, but I also, oh, so you were stuck with the caps. Yes. Yeah, so, which isn't a bad a bad alternative, but they, yeah, they were talking on because I, I love yeah. some Joe B. Yeah, they were talking. Rycroft and Mosier were like, yeah, we caught up with Joe and uh, uh, Mike Lawton. Is that his name? Craig Lawton. Craig Lawton. Um, and they were like. The abs are just like cheetahs. They are so fast. And I, I just don't get it. And I'm like, Joe B, you've been watching hockey a long time, man. Like th- this is most NHL teams now. Like most NHL teams are very I, fast. Well, I, like in his defense, what he's used to is the caps and just their slow, methodical pace up the ice. Yeah. They have someone like Sonny Milano and Dylan Strom who have like a tiny bit of foot speed. They're like, holy 
fuck, these guys are wild. Yeah, yeah, really out there. Yeah. And and uh yeah, it it was funny listening to him on the broadcast. Um but yeah, I mean, abs they closed out, they get the win 3 to 2. Um six wins in a row compared to where we were 2 weeks ago. This is this is a totally different tone for these episodes. Um and if you look ahead Anaheim, like you said, Anaheim is god awful. They are terrible. They are that should lose. That should be an easy win. It should be an easy win. I'm saying that, and I'm going to say the Avs went three to two in a shootout. You know, I'm just saying that. Yeah. I mean, the Ducks, I mean, just like Chicago, you might be catching them at a bad time. They beat up on uh, the Coyotes tonight. Yeah, they beat yeah. up on the Coyotes tonight in a, a real tankathon of a game and really hurting their chances at Bedard. And they beat Columbus again. I mean, they're doing a really bad job with this tank thing. They're beating Columbus, yeah. beating Arizona. And I, the Avs are going to win this game against the Ducks. I have absolutely zero doubt in my mind. If the Avs show up to play, which they should, you you did this against Chicago a couple of weeks ago. I don't expect them to fall for the same trap twice, but they might because it's sandwiched between a Caps game and a Blues game, which are just more physically intense games. I'm going to say the Avs win it 4-1. to one. I, I don't know, man. You, I feel like we're just due for John Gibson's been absolute dog shit all year. He always shows up against the Avs, and I just don't know why. Like, would this not shock you if the Avs go down like two nothing early in this game, and you're just like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" I'd be a little surprised. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the Ducks. I'd be a little surprised after the way we've been playing for the last little bit. But I mean, I think four to one sounds like oh, I think we're gonna crush. I mean, that could be three one with an empty netter, and the Ducks still put up thirty shots. But like our goaltending has been so good lately, I don't see the Ducks really finding a way to break through either Georgiev or Frankie in this game all that much. I mean, you're going to be missing a lot of your D, which might help the Ducks a little bit, but your your offense has been gelling a lot lately. I think Miko Rantanen's due to have a, a big comeback game as well. I mean, you're getting your depth scoring going again. I mean, this isn't like what it was against the Blackhawks where you're on a five-game losing streak and nothing's working. Things are working right now, yeah. and I think they're going to just take care of business. I hope you're right, but I just, I don't know why. I just have a feeling that, that this game's going to be weird because it's just such a weird game lot, like sandwiched in between two good teams. I don't even call the blues a good team, but it just seems like that it's going to be a weird game, but yeah. I do think the abs win it, but I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult than we're thinking. Um, and then we move on to the blues. We kind of talked about Jordan Bennington was, we talked about it on the last episode. He had what a 430 save percentage or 420 yeah, save like percentage? A, a 429 save percentage, um, against whoever the hell they were playing a few weeks ago. And today against the Buffalo Sabres, it was not very pretty as well. If I can very quickly find that the Sabres beat the Blues five to three, they led four to nothing at one point. The Blues almost stormed their way back. But yeah, Jordan Bennington let in two goals in the first 85 seconds of this game Respect. and finished with a respectable 867 for him. Oh, I mean, he doubled the save percentage from the game before. So yeah. I mean, good for him. So over the course uh, of his last couple of games, he's above 600. Yeah. So that's going to be, I mean, the Blues are just always a tough game. No matter what, I know O'Reilly's out, but the Blues are just a tough game. Um, I think that's going to be a grinded out type of game. I think the Avs talent at forward is going to prove like it's going to be a very vital, but the D core scares me a lot. If Kale McCarr is not back. Ah, man, that's tough. I, I, I could see the Avs losing this game. I, I really could. 
I think the Avs are going to take care of business again, but I think this is going to be a time where it's it's going to be a tough, grind it out, find a way to win type of game. I'm going to say the Avs win it four to three, and it's going to be really tough. I think there's going to be a time where the Avs score and they give up a goal like a minute later, and it's going to happen three times in this game. You either get a late winner or an OT winner. The Blues are just, they're always going to be a tough game. They always show up to play us. We have to show up to play against them. It's its just how it's always going to be against them, no matter how weak they are. Yeah, it just that, that game, like I just, I, I think for the first time in a long time, the Blues probably have the better decor right now. By then, absolute default, their decor yeah. sucks. But 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 by default, they do have the better decor right now. Um, I think it's gonna be a tight game. Uh, I I think the Abs win, but it really depends on what Jordan Bennington we get because that like in all his games against the Abs this year, he's been phenomenal. Like, he's been a really good fucking goaltender against the Abs this year. Um, so we'll have to see. I think being on home ice helps. Uh, I think the Abs win. I'm gonna say. I think it's going to be high score. I think 5-4. I think the Avs win. You know, like, I think they jump out to a big lead and the Blues fight their way back again. Yeah, that's kind of what the Blues have done lately. They just... Yeah. I think the Avs, they have to jump on the Blues early. The Blues are never Agreed. never ready to play recently. Then they show up in the second period, score a bunch of goals, and they can't climb their way out. That's what they've yeah. done the last couple of weeks. The Blues are just a streaky team. So if they win against Arizona on Thursday then they might win on Saturday against us. But if they lose against Arizona, they're not going to turn it around against us, if that makes any sense. They just they go with the tides. I'd agree. I'd agree. But we'll see. I mean, it's going to be – Saturday is going to be a fun game. It's a matinee game where the ESPN – is it ESPN Plus? Is that, is that what the game is? Is it ESPN Plus and Hulu? I would have to very quickly find out. Because are they starting their Saturday hockey series yet? It's ESPN Plus and Hulu at uh, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. Okay, so it's a nationally televised game, uh, which means even though the start time says it's one, it probably won't get dropped till one forty-five. Yeah, um, so that'll be a fun game. Uh, we'll be here to break it down. Uh, after that, to break down these two games, and then we'll have the fun. Like it's great for the Avs that we're gonna have a week off. Um, to get healthy, uh, content-wise, not the greatest. <laughs> not the greatest time. Yeah, it's going to be rough over the All-Star Week trying to find things to talk about. But, I mean, it's a pretty big month of February coming up. Trade deadline is going to be closer than we think. And we're going to be more than halfway through the season at this point. We'll be almost 50 games in at this point. The rest of the season is going to go pretty fast. Hard to think we're already halfway done this year. Yeah, it's crazy. Just started already. It's crazy. But we're we're getting there. Um, And hopefully, I mean, we're talking about two more wins. And the Avs are like three points back of Winnipeg going into the All-Star break. Yeah. I mean, I've just, I mean, who is Winnipeg even playing down the stretch here? I'd have to very quickly look and see, but if we can get Winnipeg to lose a couple of games here and we can make up the difference on them, I mean, they've got Buffalo, they got Buffalo and Philly. Philly and St. Louis before the all-star break. So not exactly the greatest opponents for us to see on their schedule, but you know, I mean, Buffalo, man. Buffalo, I think, you know, I love, you know, I love me some Sabres. They beat Dallas the other night in OT. They definitely can do it. And the Sabres, points percentage-wise, I think the Sabres are in at the moment. As the uh, Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah, can you can you imagine them playing Boston and winning? I would love that so much, dude. That would, like, be, that would be the greatest be... thing of all time. Oh, I would fucking love that. Honestly, Just Buffalo can... rocking. 
these playoffs, even though the Caps currently points percentage-wise are on the outside, these are kind of heat right now. You got Carolina, New Jersey and the Rangers, Boston, Buffalo, Toronto, Tampa again, Dallas, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Colorado, Seattle, Edmonton, and Vegas, L.A. Those are bangers. Those are all awesome matchups. Those are that's a great first round. Yeah, we'll save that for for next week when we got nothing to fucking talk about. But um, it's going to be fun. I I don't think I have anything else. Thank you to everyone who's listening because I will be back on to my microphone uh, tomorrow, or well, by the time you're listening to this, I probably will have landed. So uh, I appreciate you chilling with me on these AirPod episodes, (laughs) and. I will say it. I said it last episode on the West coast time. It's not terrible right now. It's only 10 o'clock right now. Yeah. It's currently one in the morning for me. (laughs) Like it's weird because I'll wake up and I'll have a text message from you from like eight. Like it seems like eight hours ago, but that's just because you're three hours ahead of me. So it's uh, it's, it's kind of nice. I kind of like it. It's been 50 degrees here every single day. Like there's really, it's really tough life out here, man. It's, it's tough. And then I have to go back to Colorado with 30 degree weather. I'm probably going to freeze my balls off. Yeah. You're, you're just really suffering right now. aren't you? <laughs> it's a tough, I'm looking at the weather app right now. It's 19 degrees right now, currently in Denver. And it's like, Jesus, I don't know if I can leave the, leave the 60 degree weather. I've been chilling in this whole week. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've got it so rough for you out there. Dude, the thing that I love about it too, like in the part of Denver that I live in, um, it's nothing but chain restaurants and it's just like oh, chilies and fucking fucking Applebee's. Oh, I've out been... here I've had I've had just so much like variety of food. It's I, I had a I had a uh a Thai sandwich tonight, and it was like it was delicious. And it's like where the why don't I have this in fucking where I live in Denver? So um it's been a real tough life on vacation. I'll tell you that it's been tough. It's not, it sounds like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been so rough for you over the last it is. while, but you're, I, you're almost there. You almost get to go back home to six inches of snow and back in the, the 19 degree, but you've almost made it. You're almost, almost, I know I've almost made it. I am excited to see my girl age. I haven't seen her in a week, so it'll be good to, uh, Gee, good to I get miss, back home to the beast. I miss little Iggy. I was thinking about Iggy today. Cause it, you know, oh. like your phone randomly has pictures that like come up. I, yep. had, I had that picture of Iggy sitting on my lap when we were watching the game six of the blues game. Iggy is Christian's dog for people. Yeah, that, that, that's my dog. Uh, she's my girl. She's my 12 year old uh, cattle dog. But yeah, she, she's a sweetest girl. So shout out my sister Devin for watching her this week. I know you don't listen to the show, but shout out you for watching. <laughs> She'll listen when we have guests on because she hates. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, brother, uh, let, let's wrap the show. Send the people on their merry way. Yeah, sounds like a good plan. This is the last time I have to do a Caps episode for hopefully a, <laughs> a good little while until next season. I I don't love these games. They literally hurt my brain even when they do go fine. He like did, did tonight. It was just about as perfect as I could hope for. But don't love watching them. They no. hurt me. They physically am focusing on too many things, and I have to walk away because I get a headache trying to focus on all these things <laughs> at once. But abs win three to two. Win streak moves to six in a row, and they are back in the top three in the Central already before we even hit the All-Star break. Granted, by a point, Minnesota wins one game and they're right back in it, but that's just how things are going right now in Minnesota. They are okay lately, so we'll see how all that goes in time. 
We're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to go see the abs in person, not a better, not much of a better time for as they're winning right now, you can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $50 or $20 off your first order of $50 or more. I wish we could secure the 50 bucks for you guys, but we'll see about that in the future. But $20 off your first order of $50 dollars or more again promo code tell it abs it is yeah we we forgot to mention this real quick uh jared bednar set the uh yes. he's the all-time winningest coach in Colorado avalanche history want to give bedsy his credit there which is crazy to think that he, he's already the winningest coach in abs history but uh shout out jared bednar yeah i knew i forgot something in my notes earlier I, was like, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know i'm missing something right now but yeah jared bednar already the winningest coach in abs history i mean that just doesn't feel like it's been that long but yeah. it also feels like it's been forever because he's just part of the abs winning and we've been watching the abs win for the last couple of years so i mean just a testament to how great of a coach jared bennar is and how much he's really helped turn this organization around with president's trophies stanley cups and now being considered one of the premier organizations in the sport a lot of that can be accredited to jared bennar and just the the changes he has brought to this team so again congratulations Bedsy. Easy to make the case that he might already be the best coach in Avs history, but we can talk about that more next time. Again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go Avs. <laughs>